0: Episode 130 Above Ground Podcast High Hope with Kari Eckert of Robbie's Hope. Disclaimer The host of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means medical professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above
1: Ground Podcast.
0: Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Fully and Timothy Patrick. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast.
2: Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below.
0: That's right. What's up, Timmy? How we doing this Sunday morning, brother? We're back to interviews again, man. We got a good one this morning. So
2: Back to interviews. Back to interviews. Um, I think I can speak for both Will and myself that we are grateful to be able to be curators of these stories and share them in hopes that, someone else can hear them and, and possibly, um, learn something, or maybe they'll, maybe they'll do something that we talk about to reach out and help somebody else. And that, you know, that's, that's of course what we hope for. And, uh, we don't, we don't bring up some of these stories to, to create any kind of hurt or, um, you know, commercialize anything. We're doing it strictly from, um, from the heart, from a good place. And, and we, we truly just want to, to get the word out, bring awareness and, and help others in the process if we can So, uh, without further ado, we are joined today with Kari from Robbie's hope. And, um, she's going to tell us a little about what Robbie's hope is and, and how she began to, uh, begin this foundation, I guess, if you call it. So welcome Kari.
1: Thank you. Good morning.
2: Briefly, maybe, uh, Tell us about Robbie's Hope and the year that it started, how you started.
1: So just over three years ago, October 11th, 2018, my beautiful son, Robbie, who was 15 years old, eight months and 22 days, died by suicide. Um, My husband and I were actually at parent-teacher conferences when Robbie took his life. Uh, Robbie was not on anyone's radar screen for being at risk for suicide. He was quite the opposite. He was a student leader. He was a student athlete. He had an amazing smile and he appeared very, very happy. And immediately after his death, my husband and I, of course, wanted to know why, why Robbie chose to die by suicide. And we quickly learned uh, that in our state of Colorado and in the country and really in the world, that suicide rates are rising at tremendous rates. And we decided that we needed to do something about that. And we did that in a little bit different manner than a lot of organizations. We went to teens directly because our son was 15 years old and we didn't want other parents to uh, have the journey that we have and that we will have for the rest of our lives. So we went to teens directly and we said, what's going on? What's different? What are adults missing? What are parents missing? What did we miss as Robbie's parents? And that is the basis of Robbie's hope. And the word hope, hold on, pain ends. We try to let teens know that it's okay to not be okay and that their voice matters and that their life matters. We've done a lot. Um, there's, It's difficult work, but it's very, very fulfilling work. Just like you said, if one person can hear this message and have a different conversation, a different belief in themselves, it's all worth it.
0: Oh, thank you so much very much for doing the work that you're doing. Um, thank you for turning such a personal tragedy into such a such an amazing thing for others. Was this started as an act of healing for you? Or did you have a different thought of this when when this first came about? Because something obviously led you to this work.
1: I would not say it was an act of healing. Um, it was a response truly out of anger. Why are our children dying by suicide? In our states, Between twenty in Colorado, between 2015 and 2018, rates had increased 54%, and no one was talking about it. Um, I was an angry mom at the very beginning, and I said, I have to do something about this. I was a funeral director prior to raising my children. I was blessed to be a stay-at-home mom for 12 years, from the time Robbie was uh, three until he was 15. Um, so I had an idea of what suicide was and just from my, I, when I went to school, I went to mortuary school back in the day and I have a degree in psychology. I wanted to be a bereavement counselor. I knew that grief was tough. I think right away, I was so angry. Um, why aren't people talking about this? What do you mean that teen suicide is the leading cause of death in our state? Why aren't, I was a very engaged, informed parent. Why, what are, we need to talk about this. Has it been healing? Absolutely. Um, There's nothing better than giving, giving to others and giving to teens because teens aren't, they don't get receive a lot. They get blamed a lot. They are uh, the misfits. They are the ones that are doing Mm -hmm. everything wrong. And now that I sit at the table with teens on a daily basis, I will tell you, they are amazing individuals and they're going to change things for the future, but we have to give them a choice. We have to give them a voice. And most people are not doing that. Most people are just blaming them for screwing up everything that they touch. So a little bit of anger, maybe a lot of anger. Um, Mm -hmm. Anger is definitely a stage of grief. Um, I don't choose to live my life that way. Uh, We are very grateful for um, the time that we had with Robbie here on this earth. And we live our life filled with a lot of joy and um. But we, do, we believe there's hope. We believe that we receive so much by giving to these young people and to parents, to adults. Um, there's a lot of adults out there that want to receive this information. They want to have conversations with young people, but they just don't know how. It's so taboo. It's so scary. And I will tell you that um, it's very fulfilling when you do have a conversation with a young person. If, if you can just remove that little bit of barrier, that little bit of veil, you can go pretty deep, pretty fast. And the connections you end up with are just so much better.
2: Do you think that your background in, in psychology and having that knowledge helps with those conversations?
1: It does. I be, yeah, I certainly think it does. But my husband works side by side with me um, and he comes from a very different background. He's a scientist. And um, I think right away we learned that as parents and as adults, um, so many of us are not vulnerable. And if you just take that opportunity to be vulnerable with one another, your relationship goes to a deeper, deeper level. But yes, I think my background certainly um, brought a lot to the table. Just because I've sat on the other side of the table with families, um, and I've stayed, t- I've stayed in touch with those families, and I know suicide's devastating. Suicide, I mean, suicide sucks. It, it's it shouldn't happen, and that's it's preventable. And but yet, parents and People, 54% of our society has been affected by the death of a suicide in a close manner, you know, a friend, a family member, a coworker, yet we go around just feeling so alone and like, we can't talk about it and be open. If we don't talk about it and be open, it grows and it manifests inside of you and it turns ugly. It's okay to be open. It's okay to talk.
2: Now, uh, I I just want to give a shout out. I don't know your husband's name, but um, obviously- Jason, well, thank you for Jason, too, for obviously
1: starting this up. And I just wanted to didn't want to leave anybody out. And you said
0: shout out to Jason.
1: He's a great guy. It's been he brings an amazing male perspective to the table and his um, desire to help others is truly just we are we are a great team.
2: Awesome. I love to hear that. I love what you're doing. So I love what you're telling us. Um, You said that you had another child as well.
1: Yes. Our daughter, um, she is 22. She just graduated from college. She was a sophomore in college. Our kids were four years apart. So Robbie was a sophomore in high school and Elizabeth was a sophomore in college. Um, I remember having to tell our daughter what had happened and um, we were able to go out. She was in school in Boston. We are in Denver. Um, That's, uh, there's nothing like trying to watch your child grieve the loss of their sibling and continue on with their life. And um, she's 2000 miles away. Uh, School is where she needed to be. It's a tough road for all of us.
0: I am so sorry for the loss of, of Robbie. It's amazing to hear you talk about anger the way you do, because I think a lot of people get caught up in the sadness part of it and people often forget that there's a lot of anger that follows a suicide for the family that's left behind i i thank you for being so elegant in the way you describe it and i'm curious to know if if there's something that you can tell our listeners that helped you or that is helping you through your anger because obviously anger is i'm probably sure you have anger at different points of the day some days it it never subsides and the thing is about grief because tim and i talk about this all the time is that grief is not a linear process there's you can have every part of it one day none of it one day you can it's so it's a different thing so i was just hoping maybe you could share something with our listeners about how you start working through your anger. And how do you start that?
1: Uh, you, you continue to work on it. It's a it's certainly a process. I think I know that I need to take care of my own mental health. So on a, I physical exercise is really, really important to me. Otherwise that anger can grow. Um, but I feel like for a long time, I thought other people should know what I'm carrying. Like people should treat me gently and that doesn't happen. Um, And I would get angry, even angry with close people. They would, because so many other people as a parent um, and as somebody who has been very vocal about how their child died, I had to help other people through their grief. Even people who are very close to me, family members and friends, and they were angry too. Um, And I can't take care of their anger. But I think one of the biggest things that has helped me with my anger is in the death of of suicide death. So you want to know why? Why? Why did Robbie choose suicide? Um, And I let go of that. Why pretty quickly. And I continue to, yes, it does it come back up to the surface. Absolutely. But um, when I have the opportunity to have the answer to that, why in my belief system, I won't need to know that because I will be with Robbie and where he is, I believe is a better place. So I don't need to know that. Why that? Why um, doesn't serve a purpose. Even if I knew that, why, um, you know, was it depression? Was it anxiety? Was it, it could have been a very quick decision for Robbie. Sadly, that's what suicide, it's a very, it's a very short decision. Most people don't understand that. Some people can live with suicidal ideation their entire lives and they will not die by suicide. Um, people who attempt suicide and are not successful is that just the silliest word why would we use the word not successful for suicide but the language just doesn't always connect and make sense like 98 percent of people who attempt suicide go on to live complete lives so i just feel like letting go of that why helps me not be angry um robbie would not want me to be angry I don't want to be angry myself. I'm not an angry, ugly person. I'm a very much the glass is half full and I want to help others. So I have to let go of that. Is it hard? Yeah. It's a choice to let go of that anger. It certainly creeps back in. And now I'm at year three and I know that it may creep in forever, sadly.
0: I love your point of view because we don't generally get the point of view all the time about the anger. What is one of the things that you've learned about teenagers that you did not know before this loss that you've experienced that you just as a parent didn't understand or didn't see?
1: That's a great question. I've learned a lot about that. We have a whole handbook about it that our teens and Robbie's Hope have written. That's available oh, that's on awesome. Our we'll make sure we'll it's make awesome. sure we share
0: it. Yeah, we'll share it.
1: But I think what I've learned is. Um just how much kids are carrying on their shoulders um, they've grown up in this world and the, what our kids know is so much deeper than we give them credit for and therefore what they care about. but yet they aren't allowed to talk about that because their relationships are strictly here. so seldom are they face to face, ear to ear and they're just, they feel the weight of everything. If you ask a teenager, like what is their number one thing that they're concerned about? Most of them will say climate change. That's, you know, it's a a kind of an easy tag. If you get deep with a kid, it's not climate change. The self, um, their self-worth is pretty low. And yet they are so, so capable but um, I mean, teenagers for when we were teenagers, we were blamed for being, I mean, kids are supposed to make mistakes. They're supposed to push the limits. They're supposed to try things. Um, teens have always been looked poorly upon They're the, and then they grow up somehow magically. Um, I just think that letting their voice be heard, um, being real with them and not placing the blame with them they are, kids are amazing. We just, they're super resilient. Um, and most of them are just really, really positive. They just have grown up in a different time than most of us cannot relate with. And we shouldn't try to most parents, most adults will say, well, when I was a teenager, I did this, or, you know, that's not that big of a deal. Suck it up. Um, pull up your bootstraps no, it's okay. You know what? This is really bugging me. And I don't know how, and this is really, really heavy right now, but teens don't hear you'll get through it. You can get through it. It's going to be hard work. It's not going to be easy, but you can get through it. I, I just, I could talk about teens all day long. They are so, they bring so much to the table and we need to keep bringing them to the table and let them be heard. But I always say two ears, one mouth, use them in that proportion when you're hanging out with a teenager. Let them be heard. They don't they want to talk about themselves. Listen.
2: That's a very very poignant point. And you mostly work your you mostly work with teens like you have ambassadors that are yeah. all all teens, correct or are they of different ages?
1: Uh, middle school through early college. Yeah, like over okay. 2500 of them across the country. And our ambassadors, that's awesome. kids, yeah, it's really great. That's is, super cool. Our whole organization is about empowering these young people to bring their voice to the table in a productive way. Kids like, oh, we are going to march into that superintendent's principal's office after a death and we're going to raise hell. Um, you're not going to get anything done if that's the your approach. We will help you get done what you want to get done. We are on the same agenda You have to use your voice appropriately. There's lots of closed doors. Let's find the open windows. There is a ton of stigma attached to teen youth mental health, to depression, anxiety. We as parents and adults, we continuously place the blame on our educators. Our education system is overwhelmed. They don't have the money to handle this issue to the magnitude that it needs to be held. Our legislators, kind of the same thing. We push a lot of stuff and expect our governments that we don't, I mean, it's difficult, but we've got to partner together. And our youth, when they feel heard and when they feel like their ideas are valid and they have amazing ideas, much better solutions than adults can bring to the table about youth mental health because they're living it. They're tired of seeing their friends die by suicide. They're tired of seeing their friends attempt suicide. They're tired of seeing their friends threaten, I'm going to take my life and not know what to do. They have ideas. Let's talk about this. I mean, I think of in the US our kids, how many kids take AP physics, AP calculus, AP this that and the other to get into this college that it's going to cost this much, but yet we can't teach our kids about their mental health. We can't teach our kids about their brains. There are warning signs and symptoms that Robbie probably felt Physical things going on in his body that he was aware of, that as a really bright kid, he didn't have the language to talk about because I, as his parent, never taught him about it. I didn't know that was my responsibility. And I didn't know that our schools aren't talking about it. We teach our kids everything about physical health. Our kids can rattle off. These are the signs and symptoms of a stroke. These are the signs and symptoms of a heart attack. But these are not the signs and symptoms of being at risk for suicide. We have to change that. And that's what our ambassadors are doing. Kind
2: of piggyback on what you said, you know, and, and I'm, I'll even lump myself into this. I didn't know about this stuff until unfortunately, you know, 40 years of age until my, my, my son was already, you know, you know, not old, but like older. So it's like, I, I didn't realize how to teach this stuff. I didn't know about it for myself. No one taught me, you know what I mean? That's why I'm big on putting it into the education system. So that way you will notice, you know, when when the kid goes in now and learns it, when that kid becomes a parent and then that kid will be able to teach his kid and then his kid will also get it from the school side of it too, he'll be getting a double, that's when you're going to notice a big difference.
1: Absolutely. So I think that's
2: super, super important. And I, I mean, what you're doing is is incredible, the bridge that you're gapping between the teens and this is Awesome.
0: I'm big on language. We can't talk about something if we don't have a language for it. How do we get our teens to, to describe, how do we get our teens to open up to us? Like, what, what's a question that we can really start asking? Like, what's one question to just get them to pique their interest to, to say, yeah, I want to talk about that.
1: Well, you kind of hit two things there. I think one, yeah, they are watching us all of the time. And what you can model for your, the young people in your life is probably the best example because our actions do speak much louder than our words. Right. But um, I think the best conversations with young people or with, that's not even with young people, with people is you want to ask inquisitive questions you, because you want to engage the other person and have them answer like, hmm, like what do you think? Um, and then I statements are really good. Like, I have noticed this. What do you think? I, um, often as parents, we just ask yes and no questions. We want to ask leading questions because we want to have dialogue. Um, so like, wh- what do you, what do you think about mental health? What do you, th- what does it look like to you? What does it feel like to you? Um, what does it feel like when you're anxious? What situation makes you anxious? anxious. If you're concerned about somebody taking their life, you have to ask directly. You're not planting the seed. Right. And you ra- you ask it with the language, are you considering suicide? Not you aren't considering suicide, are you? Because the way I asked it the second time, I want to no. know. I'm showing you that I recognize something, but I don't want to talk about it. If I ask a person directly, are you consider su- considering suicide? And I pause. I'm giving the opportunity for them to think about it and to answer honestly. And that's what needs to happen. You're not planting a seed. You can't plant a seed of suicide. It's a huge, huge myth. Um, (laughs) Kindergartners are coming to school, suicidal ideation kidding. I mean, it's that yawn, sadly. Um, And like, you can talk about this, like even grief, like my educational training went to become a funeral director. Like, how do we talk about death with little kids? Well, as soon as our little kids are exposed to this and, you know, I don't know what the average age of um, our children receiving cell phones, uh, parents give kids their cell phones for one safety, like, Oh, they play all these sports and they're at this field and blah, 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 blah. And I need to be able to get in touch with them. And probably an entertainment factor. Cause I guarantee you, if you go to a coffee shop today, you're going to see a 18 month old toddling around with a cell phone But as soon as our kids have this, whether it's their own personal one or their friends have it, they're learning about suicide. They are learning about mental health. Um, And they're learning about it from TikTok. They're learning about it from, they're not learning about it from you. Um, It's kind of like the taboo, the birds and the bees conversation that most parents don't want to have. You got to take the time. You, You have to educate yourself, but you have to have that conversation. And at a pretty darn young age, And then the second part of that conversation with your child, you need to say, "If you're not comfortable talking to me, what adult are you comfortable talking to about this? If you were concerned about a friend, if you were things were too heavy for yourself, because our children, um, I would have done anything for Robbie, even at the very last moment, if he would have said anything, anything, I would have dropped. I mean, any parent would." Um, But Robbie didn't think that he could come to me. And I sure wish I would have said to Robbie, what adult would you go to? Sadly, we learned that Robbie as a freshman in high school helped two other kids with their own suicidal ideation. Um, That was the type of person that Robbie was. Robbie is a beautiful blend of Jason and I. Um, very empathetic person. That's which,
2: um, which, which kind of tells me that maybe he was um, familiar with these thoughts as well. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's in, in my head, that's, you know, if he was kind of, um, you know, open to, to discussing it, he may have usually I would think that it's because it, it has
1: touched that person in some way. So they can. I think our know. middle school and high schoolers, Tim, they have been exposed to this so much, like in the state of Colorado, the number of kids that are considering suicide, the number of kids that have a plan, the number of kids that have attempted, the numbers are overwhelming. Like, and this is pre-COVID, our statistics that we, because statistics are always super delayed, um, the number of kids that identify as being depressed or dealing with anxiety, it's, it's the numbers are much, much higher than any adults are aware of, or not any, um, most adults, most adults, informed ones would, are aware. And then they're just scared. Like I can't talk about sure. that with my kid. No, you have to talk about it with your child.
2: And I think uh, you had, you had actually touched on this a little bit in the beginning of the conversation. And I was going to say something and I, I kind of forgot, but I, I think now that it comes back around, I think um, something that we need to, to uh, discuss more that I don't hear often is with suicidal ideation is is there's passive and then there's active, you know, there's a lot of passive and I'm not saying either is good, but there is a lot of passive and you have to know the difference. If it's active, then as you said, there's a plan in place. There's like extreme, like thoughts of, you know, this may happen, you know, so there are different. And, and I, I feel like we should, um, you know, differ differentiate between the two and, and talk about both sides as well.
1: Yeah, I you know, like as a parent, I know that I bring a lot of fear and a lot of, by being honest, and I, I, that is the opposite of what I want to do for other parents. Um, the, the risk of your child dying by suicide, it's relatively low, but the risk of your child dealing with a really, really difficult, tough issue that they would like to talk about possibly with you is really, really high. And you being able to be vulnerable with your child could change things. And just having those difficult conversations, those crucial conversations that can be had. We have them in the workplace all of the time. Why aren't we having them at our kitchen table with our children in their bedroom? Um, That's all in our handbook because we went to teens directly and we said, okay, you've made it very clear. You want to have conversations with the adults in your life. Let's teach other adults about how to have those and where to have those. You got to think about your kid. Um, you know, Do they feel trapped in the car or is the car a really great place to have a conversation because you're focused on driving? You're not looking at them. They can be looking out the window. Um, is their room a safe place? And just, I think that bottom line, if you're not going to come to me, who are you going to go to? Um, Suicidal ideation versus completing suicide. Completing suicide is sadly, everything has to be, I, I, I need to come up with, we talk about language, the right language. It's the perfect storm and the risk is very, it's uh, the a suicidal mind to, is, it's so short. You can do the research.
0: You were just talking about the, the risks of them encountering something that's not suicidal ideation is probably greater than the suicidal ideation what do you think are some of the other factors besides the suicidal ideation is it the social media is it is it bullying like we think it is or is it is it the change in body is it is it sex again is it or is it all these things because you kind of you've tapped into a, an age where they're literally coming from child to teenager Growing into men and women, which they're not prepared for, because our brain doesn't stop developing until our mid twenties, as we find out. So, where where do you think do you think that perfect storm is just the hormones and and just everything all at once? Do you think that that plays a part into it?
1: Um, I think that this probably plays the biggest part into it. Okay. If you, if you look at two thousand and seven, that's when the introduction of the iPhone. And the, um, rate that smartphones have grown. And you look at suicide and mental health rates, they kind of track together. Um, we, now there's studies that talk about the serotonin and dopamine and what this being on this and getting all of the notifications does to the chemistry of our brain. Um, but this isn't going away. This is growing. Um, so how do we do this together? Um, I think, you know, you talked about some of the, is it sex? Is it drugs? Is it social media? Is it bullying? A lot of adults, like parents, we want to think it's bullying. And I think that's because then we can place the blame on somebody else. It's not our child. It's much easier to place the blame on somebody else. Um, I think you got to find out what it is for your child, what it is for the young person in your life, because it's different for all of us and it changes, Yeah. It might be when they're in eighth grade, you know, vaping used to be the huge thing a couple years ago. Um, we don't, we don't really know what was in those vape. I mean, there's so many unknowns. There's so many factors, but what is it for your child and their school is it very well could be bullying. Um, it could be social media. I compare myself to everybody else. Their life is perfect and my life is not perfect. We call that the, my life is perfect filter that social media gives us adults deal with that. I mean, we all take way too many pictures before we post the perfect one. Um,
2: I think you're right on the specific, like it's specific to the person. And we've said this before with suicide and depression is it's not a one size fits all, you know, and when we, when we treat symptoms instead of, you know, the underlying thing or the person that's when you know disaster happens. That's when confusion sets in. No one knows what's going on. There's loss of communication, no comprehension. And it, and it has to be specific to that person. Yes, there's signs. Yes, there's this as a basis, but we can't use that for each person. I think it's a good place to start, but then sit down and like exactly what you said, like you have to
1: find out what it is for your child or for that child. In that moment, because it's it changes. It changes. And like start talking about your, with your children, like what tools do they have? Like we want to give our kids the, the opportunity to have success. That's all we want our kids to be healthy and happy. Um, but like when something makes you feel anxious, what do you do? There are things that they can be taught that are completely age appropriate that will help them in that moment that they feel anxious. You'll probably learn something from them. Um, you know, I tap my fingers, I count, I take deep breaths. Breathing is because our minds, we, we think that we can super multitask all the time. That's, I think what our phones have taught us. Our minds can't, we're really, really lousy at it.
0: We talk about that split second thought about ending a life as opposed to having it sit in your brain for days and days and planning and it's that 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 rash second of okay I'm going to do this now can you speak a little bit about that and 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 how and if somebody is like how do you break that and and how do you is there something you can say about have you learned anything from teenagers about that, that thought about that split second, because that split second could change the life and, and change whether you die or not.
1: Mm, that's tough. It's really tough because obviously Robbie had that split second. Um, let's not get to that split second. Let's get to it well before. Um, and I think, you know, if yes. people have asked me where their signs or symptoms Um, the few days before Robbie's death, I can see with complete clarity, um, people who are thinking about suicide, a lot of them are really, really brilliant and they're going to drop some signs and symptoms, but they're going to be really, really careful about it because they want to see if you're receptive. Um, and we live in a really, really fast paced world where we can't see things that other people are testing us with. Um, but if we just start talking well before, I think of mental health as like this and so many organizations were down here on the other side of the cliff, trying to catch kids after they yes. hit that, that point, we've got to be with them over here well before. And that's what oh. talking about suicidal ideation, talking about how you see yourself, how you value yourself, um, and what you're going to do, how are you going to take care of yourself? Um, that's what we have to change that split second. Um, I mean, let's just be honest. If it, it can happen, I, it, it does happen. It does uh, happen. Yes. It sucks. It is, um, it's uh, preventable. It's a, you know, as older kids, um, you can talk about, you know, it's a split second decision to a, it's a permanent solution to a, you know, not non-permanent problem, but that's really simplifying, a lot of feelings and a lot of life experience. It's it's so much deeper than that. Suicide is incredibly complex.
0: On my journey, I've learned that it's really all about self-love and, and, and we all have varying degrees of it. Some of us are really good at it and some of us don't have any of it. And some of us are building it back. Mm -hmm. If we, if we stay around to build it back, because that, that, it, it's a it's a difficult choice to say you could make, but you could make it. And I've been there, and I'm never too far from there. And I don't think any of us out there who struggle with that daily are.
1: Thank you for being vulnerable. Will. that's really like insightful. Um, it's tough. I think COVID something that I've learned from it, and I hope a lot of other people have is we all have mental health. Every one of us. Yeah. Yeah. 20% of the population has mental illness. That number is staying the same. Thank Um,
0: you so much. Cause that's what I just started. We just started saying that I just started making that a catchphrase that we all have mental health. We don't all all have mental illness. That's right. And we can all do a better job. Absolutely.
1: It's and it's a responsibility. It's tough. It's not easy. Um, Yeah, it's, but we all have mental health and we can learn. That's what we need to teach people. How do you take care of your mental health? You, because you just talked about it. It's self-love, it's self-responsibility. Right. And when I talk to teenagers, I always, cause like there's kids, like I've said, their empathy and their willingness, they want to help one another. Like that's who we are as humans. You aren't taking care of yourself. You can't take care of anybody else.
0: Yeah, There's yeah. that oxygen mask to me.
2: Yeah. That's exactly what I thought in my
1: head when mm. she said it.
2: Now um, you would uh, real quick. I just wanted to ask this. You had, you had said that um, Robbie had had, you know, now that you look back, Robbie had may have left some signs. Now, was there any note or anything like that as well on top of that, or
1: it was just, there was, um, Okay, I don't know. You know, we kind of talked about the whys and, I know that's a really tough one for parents or anyone that has experienced the loss of a um, loved one by suicide. Sure. There's a lot of the note. um, If there was or there wasn't, um, you know, it's a split second decision. Some people work on notes for their entire lives and never take their life. Um, You know, I know Robbie wrote that note in haste at the last minute and um, he apologized and he told us that he loved us. And... You know, I, I, we have that note, of course, yeah. but we have a lot of other beautiful memories of Robbie prior to his death that we hold on to more than that last minute. Good for
2: you. No. Good for you. Actually, would you mind sharing one of those beautiful memories with us?
1: Oh, goodness. Robbie's wit, his humor. Um, he was really, really witty and like kind of a dark humor uh, <laughs> that was like as like a 10, 11, 12 year old that was just kind of inappropriate. Awesome. And I love (laughs) because he he, he was a bright kid when he made a connection with an adult. And they would just be like, that kid of yours is, he is so funny. So that his humor is what I love probably the most about Robbie. That's That's awesome.
0: awesome. Thank you, Kari. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Tim, I, I, again, man, this has been such an awesome conversation and it's, it's so incredible to hear stories of the resilience of teenagers and stuff. Um, And we always finish up the episode with, with three questions and I'm going to let Tim take it from here. Cause
2: I'm going to, I'm going to actually divert from my original, uh, my norm, my usual question for the first one and just change it up for you a little bit. And um, okay. if there's anything that you can, like a, a, whatever you can, a sentence or whatever, but um, like, what can friends, family um, do besides the typical, like, Hey, like the check it, you know, the checking in, because everyone is big on like checking in, but sometimes I'm not sure if that, um, that, that works. So is there anything that, that you could let, you know, friends, family, loved ones know besides checking in what they can do to help someone that you know, may or not be in a crisis, but just to, just to reach out.
1: That's really good. Well, continuing to check in. um, I think two of our kind of messages of Robbie's hope it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Um, Talk about that. Like that's not the face that we put on. If I go out today, people aren't going to know that my child died by suicide and that I might not be okay because of the way I look on a daily basis and the way I act it's okay to not be okay. Um, and understanding that there's always hope, hold on pain ends, hold on pain ends. So continuing to check in like, Oh, I'm available. No check in with that friend. Okay. How are you you doing today?
2: I like it.
0: Hey, Timmy, just so you know, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to, I'm taking that second question completely out and I'm going right to our last question if you don't mind, just because oh, it's not, yeah. it's, it's not appropriate at this point, just because, know, but- well, maybe we'll talk about it off air. It's just because I All like right. the conversation yeah, was yeah. just too. Um, we usually, I, um, we ask a question at the end, if resources were, if there was no restraint on resources, what would you like to see done for mental health?
1: Education education for everyone. We have to change our priorities in this country. We, what we value for our children is not right. Um, We need to educate our children about mental health and we need to educate our educators about mental health. There are, we have to give our schools money to do both of those things. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. We don't even have a like great curriculum in this country. The things that we borrow from other countries, like, It's time. Like, we know what's happening. And we could, if we could teach our kids, I mean, AP physics, we certainly can teach them about their brains.
0: Absolutely. We can certainly teach them mindfulness for sure.
1: Yeah. Life skills in general. Mindfulness. Yeah. The whole person, not just book smarts, brain smart. Like, it's the brain. How does it work? How does it make you feel?
0: Well, actually, that, you know, it's kind of funny because by switching up, by switching up the conversation, it kind of actually is like a jazz jam here. So things happen to lead (laughs) into other things. So I, that's kind of, it's kind of funny how you just mentioned that we have to get it into the education system and it has to be funded in there. And it's how do like, where do, how do we start the conversation to get into those places? Like, do we start going to school board meetings? Do we, how do we get the schools to take it seriously?
1: Some of that's just crappy liability issues our schools are so um it's it's hard to be an educator Hard to, hard I, I, to educate. but i think absolutely. really taking it down to like we have to hit it from the top top state level we have to hit it from the district level and then a lot of our schools are very much school to school and by you you know i say like i tell our teens there's a lot of closed doors because our administrators, they don't have the money to do this. But if we go to our principals, we go to our, you know, middle school teachers, our middle and it's, not, it's teachers, hey, and finding somebody that you think is aligned with, how can we partner together to make others know that this is a priority for us? Um, being vulnerable with other parents. It, there's a lot of ways, but making hmm. it a priority and just starting the conversation, like, yeah, it's really important that my kid tests as high in math as possible, and their reading skills are perfect. But what are we teaching our kids mm-hmm. about mental health?
0: Sorry, thank you so much for being here this morning. It's yes, been it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, can you tell everyone about how to find Robbie's Hope, how we can get involved, and what and and leave us with something that you would like everyone to know. About about your in about your foundation about Robbie whatever you want anybody to know you got it's it's yours.
1: Mm, there's so many things I want people to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> basic uh, Robbie's R O B B I E S dash H O P E dot com. We're on like every if you we're the you can find us on every social media site because we're active there as we have to be to be able to stay in touch with people. Um, educate yourself. And I think the bottom line, um, I want everyone to know that there's hope, that it's okay to not be okay. And don't be fearful of this. If if fear is debilitating and fear will not get you anywhere, be proactive about this and um, you will probably lead you and the youth in your life to a richer, fuller place. Um, We all have mental health and we can all do a better job taking care of our mental health. And we do that by being vulnerable and having conversations.
0: Thank you so much. Hold on, pain ends. That's that's something that you got to keep in mind, as that's what hope stands for. For Robbie's hope. Uh, thank you, Kari, so much. It's yeah, thank it's, you it's for an your absolute honesty. pleasure.
2: Thank you for your honesty and your openness, and and um, love what you're doing. Love what you said. Until next time, man. Be well. Be safe. Be
0: above. above.